We are so excited that this latest message from Truth Movement Church can meet you where you are today. This message from TMC will help you to apply the truth of God's word to your everyday life. It's practical and powerful. Enjoy his word. You can take your seats. Good morning. So y'all excited about being at church today? Or should I calm down? Like, should I, should I slow myself down? Should I stop? I, should, I shouldn't calm down. Y'all ready? Okay. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm excited because we're continuing in this series. I think this series has been amazing. Um, I think there's been revelation in this space as a result of this series, and that is what we come for. <clears throat> So on today, we're going to continue to push forward. I want you to turn to the book of uh, Proverbs, chapter 22, verse 5 is where we'll start. I'm only going to give you one passage of scripture on today um, because I gave you like 25 last week. And some of y'all struggle. So I want you to, I want you to win today. <laughs> I want you to succeed in being an overachiever today. So I'm going to give you one passage of scripture. And before we walk out of here today, you should know it word by word because I'm going to say it so many times. Is that all right, Gerardo? All right. Proverbs chapter 22, we'll start at verse 5. Our focus is verse 6. Is everybody there? I got two yes. Is everybody there? All right, that's good. Proverbs 22. Verse 5, New King James Version. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it says, thorns and snares are in the way of the perverse. He who guards his soul will be far from them. Verse 6 is our focus verse. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. <clears throat> I want to go back to verse 6, and I want you to do two things for me, because I'm going to tell you to do them later, and I know that y'all get distracted easy, so I prefer for you to be distracted now. Once I start to speak, we can, we can work together, okay? Say yes. Are you distracted already? No. Okay. In verse 6, train up a child in the way, underline in the way. God, not going to get you for, for writing in your electronic Bible. It's Okay. Underline in the way. I really want the way, but in the way is okay. In the way, in the way. It says, train up a child in a way that he should go, and when he is old, underline old. <coughs> he will not depart from it. Yes? So believe it or not, um, even though we talked about generational transfers last week. Uh, We are still breaking and destroying generational curses and strongholds this week by way of the conversation that we're going to have on today, uh, and that is entitled The Power of Godly Parenting. Say that with me and write that down. The Power of Godly Parenting. When we spoke last week, we talked about how the next generation um, must embrace or accept the sin from previous generations 
Um, it's, it's a little different when you talk about spiritual transfers. We have already talked about this, but I'm just going to touch on it for a second. It's a little different when you talk about spiritual transfers versus physical transfers because I have no choice in the physical transfers that I get. But I do have a choice in the spiritual transfers that are, that are left for me because I have to choose those things. I have to embrace those things. I have to make those things mine. It is, it, is, it is not just a layup when it comes to spiritual transfers. Those things have to be massaged and they have to be worked in and they, they, they have to be presented in such a way so that you accept those things. When we start to think about that, we have to understand that the enemy understands that, that these physical, these spiritual transfers are not just an automatic thing. Um, so he has to work extremely hard, extremely hard to make sure that he can, he can grasp a stronghold on the family line. And the way that he does that um, is by his timing. He understands that if, 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 if you knew that, you know, this, this curse, that this curse of, you know, dysfunctional relationships has been on your home, I mean, your, your bloodline for year after year after year after year and generation after generation, generation, he wouldn't present it to you when you get old. Because by now I know better. I can see the deficiencies. I can see the dysfunction. I understand that these things should not be accepted. So he makes sure that his timing is impeccable when he presents you with the generational curse. I want you to write down the word introduction. That's our first point for the day, the word introduction. <clears throat> Somebody shout introduction. Okay, y'all, that's a very short word. I should have all eyes back up by now. Shout introduction. For many of us, the introduction to these spirits, these generational curses, these, these habits that destroyed generations previous to mine was presented to us before we knew we had a choice. The, the generational curse, the spirit, the habit, the, the dysfunction was presented to me before I knew that I had a choice because what I saw and what, what he presented to me was within the environment that I was in. So that spirit was familiar. It wasn't, it wasn't something outside of, 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 of my experience. This is this part of my experience. This is who we've always been. We've always yelled at each other. I've always seen my father beat on my mother. I've always heard us use you know, language that didn't make any sense and was not acceptable. I've always seen that. So when he presents it to me, it's familiar to me. So I just accept those things as my own. And I don't even know that I've made the choice to pick it up, but I did because it was just the environment that I was in. I told you guys last week about <clears throat> at the, the, the I say the tender age of in between five and <clears throat> seven years old, I had my first alcoholic drink between five and seven years old, and by the time I was in sixth grade, me and my buddies were um, we were we were paying. Um, drug addicts, I'll just try to pick a correct term for that. We were paying drug addicts at, in, eight, in, in sixth grade. <clears throat> we were paying drug addicts to go in the corner store and buy a 40 ounce for, me, for us so we all could get a swig. 
Now, y'all don't know what 40 ounces, y'all, y'all, y'all don't even know what a 40 ounce is anymore. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm imagining myself right now. But we were paying, you know, drug addicts to go in the store for us, and they would go buy us a 40 ounce so everybody could have some. And then by the time I got to my 11th grade year in high school, I was drinking alcohol every single day. Every day. The summer of my, my, my junior year, um, I was invited to go play in Europe, play basketball in Europe, and I was a part of this team out of the state of New York, and they had a bunch of teams from around the country um, that represented the United States. <clears throat> when I got over there, I played pretty good, and I made the all-star team. And don't let the size fool you. I'm, I'm a little bit out of shape, but, but Ezra, I got something for you, baby. I was good enough to make the all-star team, but I never played any all-star game. Because the night before the All-Star game, I had drank so much that I didn't get to the game until halftime. Listen to me. This spirit of addiction looked as if it was doing the same thing to me that it had done to previous generations, specifically the men in in my family, in my bloodline. So when, when, when the, with the, the introduction of the enemy that he made to me at seven years old was starting to play itself out. But here's the thing. The enemy wasn't counting on my mother introducing me to God at the same time. That's why introduction, shout introduction. He wasn't counting on somebody showing up in the family and introducing God to the situation. So at an early age, y'all, at an early age, I can recall my mother anointing me with oil and praying over me and pleading the blood over me. And she would make me sit inside of her Bible studies that she did at my house when my father was away. And she would take me to Sunday school, Sunday service, Sunday night service, and Monday night prayer, and Wednesday night service, and Friday night service. What was she doing? She was raising me up in the way that I should go. Before, listen to me. Because she wanted me to have a choice before my bloodline the choice for me. Somebody in the family has to make the introduction of God. Somebody has to make the introduction. He wasn't counting on Diane Underwood to be the one to insert herself. She says, and says, as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. He wasn't counting on it. So that's why he made the introduction so early, and it looked like it was working itself out. But my mother said, no, sir. You got to take your hands off of that one. Listen to me. I may have missed it with my eldest son, and I may have missed it with this one, and I may have missed it with that one. But as for this one. You can't have them. Somebody has to say right now today, I'm going to be the one that's going to make the introduction. I'm making the introduction before the bloodline plays itself out through my son. Before the bloodline plays itself out through my daughter. I'm going to be the one that says it stops here. I'm going to be the one that's going to break the curse. I'm going to be the one to stop what's destroyed every other man in my family from destroying my son. I'm going to be the one that is going to make the change today to say I'm introducing Jesus into this situation because he is the only one that can save. Shout introduction. Let's get this next point. Verse 6, train up a child. 
in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Point number two is this, the word institution. <clears throat> Say that with me, institution. Family was the first institution that God established in the earth. I want you to understand that. Family was the very first institution that God established in the earth before the church, before the government, before the economy, before the educational system, before the prison system. God established the institution of family. So to me, when you look, I mean, you can go back into the book of Genesis and you can fact find all of these things. But for me, um, a family should be the training ground where a child learns spiritual, social, and relational skills. Pastor Wanzo, I'm supposed to be doing all that as a parent, sir? I'm feeding a little rat, rug rat. Like, what do you mean? A family should be the training ground where a child learns and attains spiritual, social, and relational skills. The church should not be the only place where my children sees and hears about Jesus. They should see Jesus being modeled in the house. It's getting quiet. The judicial system should not be the only space where my son learns discipline. Discipline, boundaries, repercussions should be a staple in my house. When my daughter meets Johnny in the, in the, in the eighth grade, that should not be the first time that she experiences what she believes to be love because love should be trained inside of my house. She should see it happening in my house every single day. I should be her first boyfriend. And if that's not happening, we're missing something. Listen to me now. When we leave the institutionalization, institutionalization of our children up to the institutions outside of the house, we are breaking the blueprint that God has established. Genesis 1 and 28, God says to Adam and Eve, he says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion. Here's what God is saying to them. This thing that we've established here in this garden I want this to be the influence in the earth. I don't want the earth to influence it. So watch me now. <laughs> Everybody has an issue with church. Everybody. Generally, we have an issue with church. And if you, got, if you want to fix the issue with church, fix the family. Everybody has an issue with the government. You want to fix the government, fix the family. Because the family was the first institution and the family should be feeding these other institutions. I should not leave the institutionalization of my child up to these institutions. You should never get to a point where you say, let them deal with them. Oh, I know I'm talking hard today, y'all, but y'all got to go with me. You should never get to the point where I'll just, just take them to the rec center. They'll show them something. 
We could debate my father's morals and ethics and the whole bit, but the man was a teacher. That he would come home and he always had a lesson to teach. And he used to make me sick. He did. He used to make me sick. Like I couldn't go to park with everybody else. When I said recreation specifically because in New York you had to park around every corner. And everybody goes to the park to play basketball, to play football, to play games and be in the rec. Do all this. And I could never go because my father wanted to come home. He wanted to teach me something. He was always so deep. (laughs) But I thank God for the man. Because while these boys is out playing games, I was at home learning lessons and the man was teaching me something and I didn't have to go to the park to get a scholarship to go to play football. Oh, y'all not listening. I got a scholarship to go play football because I had ethics. I had understanding. I had structure. It wasn't that I was so much better than everybody else, but I was the only one that could make it to the finish line. Oh, gosh, y'all. Now, not listening. I cannot leave the institutionalization of my child up to other people. Listen to me. If, 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 if church is your space where, where, where you want your child to grow up in, you bring them to church. You're not sending them to church. You bring them to church. You don't send your children to church with the wife. You come to church with your children. I'm not leaving it up. Listen to me. I used to say this to my wife all the time. I'm going to be the biggest influence over all of my children. I'm going to be the biggest. And they're going to come across some good men, some good programs and all that. But I will be the biggest influence in their life. So what cracks me up is that now these boys are starting to grow and they're starting to come of age. And I hear them regurgitating stuff that I taught them when they were 10 and 12, 13, 14 years old. Because I was intentional about making sure that institutionalization took place in the Underwood. The Underwood University is what I would like to call it. (laughs) Institutionalization took place there. They shouldn't have to figure out what a relationship looks like when they get in their first one. They should see one between you and your husband. Shout him in if you got that. Let's get the third point. <clears throat> What's our verse? You want to say it together because we should know it. Yes. Raise up a child in the way that it should go. And when he is old, he will not depart. You underline the way, Yes. Our third point is instructor. Write down the word instructor. Say that with me, instructor. Instructor. Now, if the family is designed to be an institution where training is to take place, then that means that there has to be an instructor. Tell you, there has to be an instructor. That means that at some point, as the parent, I have to be familiar enough with the subject matter that I can teach it. That means at some point, as the instructor, I have to become familiar enough with the subject matter to be able to teach it. Who here knows what a, um, a 5-10-5 is? Raise your hand high if you know what a 5-10-5 is. I got one, I got two, I got three. 
510-5 is a shuttle. Okay? And I'm not going to go through the whole bit here right now, but you start at one mark and you run five yards that way. You run 10 yards this way, and then you run back five yards to here. Easy enough, yes? Okay. Underwood University, we was testing Kennedy last week. Okay? And Kennedy did not know what a 510-5 was. So we told her she had to do it, but she never had ran a 510-5. What I call a shuttle. This is the new breed of stuff. They call it a 510-5. I call it a shuttle. Okay? So, so we tell Kennedy, you got to run a 510 And I set up the, you know, the, the, the drill, and it's all set up, and it's ready to go. And she stands in the middle, and she says, okay, Dad, what I got to do? I said, okay. I said, Kennedy, you're going to run five yards that way. You're going to sprint 10 yards that way. And you're going to front five yards this way. And you finish right here. She says, okay. And she does it. And this is no digging, but she did terrible the first time she did it. <laughs> I know she was good. She did terrible the first time she did. So, so, so I told her what to do, yes? Now, because I'm the subject matter expert, I got to get in here and show her what to do. So I get down and I say, don't, don't trip because I run a full flat in, 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 in the shuttle. I see you, you know what's up. A full flat, my size, good Lord. So I'm the subject matter expert. And, 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 and I get down and I show her and I say, Kennedy, when you get to this mark, you don't want to step on that line. You want to reach out to that line because it will save you time. And then you're going to turn and run. And when you get to this line, you're going to reach out to that line, but use this leg and plant on this leg and push off with this leg. It's going to save you time. Listen to me. I didn't just tell her what to do. I showed her what to do. I modeled it for her. In the matter of, of, of Proverbs 22 and 6, the way is the subject matter. If you, so so the, the ways, raise them up in the ways of the Lord. Let them live a life that is pleasing unto God. You got to show them their things. But if you continue to transverse through Scripture and get into the New Testament, you find out that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So listen to me. Listen, listen, listen. listen. The problem that we have is that we have parents trying to teach a Jesus that they don't follow. And because you don't follow him, you can't model him. And the fact that you won't model him, they're unwilling to follow him too. Listen to me. It is not just about what you say. It is what you do. Oh, I got a good one for you. A lot of you sitting in this space right now today got a problem with your mom and daddy because of what they did, not what they said. Oh, they had great advice, but they had terrible actions. He says, raise up a child. I have to instruct my child. I have to model this for them. I got to model what love looks like. I have to model what a relationship with God looks like. And the reason why so many are saying that they're done with church and church is not for them is because a parent could not model it. All they did was talk it. You in church falling out and raising your hands and worshiping, doing, and you get, you get home and cuss me out. Is that love, Ma? Daddy going to church with Mommy, and they, they so in love, but as soon as he get home, he calling his girlfriend. Is, is, is that how it's supposed to be? Listen to me. The, the, the problem that they have with the parent is not that the advice is not good. It's good advice, but your actions are terrible. We're trying to pass down a God that we don't know.
We're we're trying to pass down something that we have no idea what it is. We're just saying God is good. And all the time, God, no, 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 no. I know him to be my savior. I know him to be my God. I know him to be my redeemer. I know him so I can pass that down to you because my life models it. I was listening to... um, G.E. Patterson, he was the bishop of the coaching church, and he was preaching one time years ago, and he said one of the greatest things that could ever happen to a Christian parent is for their, for their children to choose God after living in their house. Oh. Because that means that what you saw me do attracted you to him. I wasn't going to church on, on Sunday just frying. <laughs> I, wa- I wasn't playing with this thing. I was making it a lifestyle. And you saw it and you said, dang, that looked good. I want to be just like my mom. I want to be just like my daddy. You can't just say this stuff. You have to model this stuff. And because we don't know him. They'll give them a try. And let's just be straight up and down. Sometimes God can be complex. When you start to throw in sovereignty and all this different stuff, you got to understand all these different facets of God and all this kind of thing. But because, listen to me, because you don't understand them, when they get into that predicament with God, when they can't understand God, when God is not being God, the God that I know, the God of the Bible, and he's not doing that, you have nothing to say to them. I can't model this for you. I can't talk you through it because I don't even know. I I got a question too. This thing has to be not just spoken. It has to be modeled. There are so many, and I'll say children, young adults in, in the young adult generation that have chosen to walk away from God because of what they saw their parents do. You just played with God. You pacified yourself with God. You were never satisfied with God. So they grow up doing the same thing, but now there's so many other institutions. Believe it or not, social media is an institution. There are so many other institutions that's giving them so much more information, the information that they did not get at home. So instead of having the truth in the house, they're finding all kinds of truths out here on social media, and they're going with all kinds of stuff. It happens in the institution of the house. Let's get this fourth point. Final point for the day. How about we say the verse together? Y'all want to do that? Let's start. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Point number four is the word investment. Give me a second, Gerardo. Don't play yet. Shout investment. 
I had you underline the word old. You should have underlined the word old in your Bible. Um, because Solomon uses, Solomon wrote this. He wrote, I believe he wrote Proverbs 1 through 29, I believe. Um, but 22 is one of his. And Solomon uses the Hebrew word zakin. Um, and it means elder. It means long beard. It means big, full beard. It means old, like old. This is, this is the same word that Moses uses in the book of Genesis to explain how old Abram, Abraham and Sarah was when they were trying to have children. 99 years old. This word means old, like old. The reason why I um, highlight and I had you underline it is because when we hear this, we can think that old means there's a season. You know, there's a season that they'll get to that, that I'll see that will let me know that they got what I was teaching them. But when you really start to dive into this, there is the possibility that they may get this after you're dead and gone. Here's the power of what I want you to understand. It is, it is the sole job of a parent to invest and deposit in their children regardless of the immediate return. It is the job of the parent to continue to invest and deposit into their children regardless of the immediate return. I was talking to Cody, and he, you know, I watch him with, with my grandson, and I, and I, and I tell him, you know, he's, 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 he's not two yet. He's young. And, but Cody's having full-blown conversations with him, specifically when he's doing something wrong. He's like, yo, champ, you can't do that. You know what I mean? It's like, yo, you got you to make sure you fix that. And if you, if you do that, then I'll give it to you. Are you ready to do that? And he's having a full-blown conversation with him, and he's talking, and it, and it looks as if he's not getting it. But when he is old. You see, the, the, the propensity is this, is that for, for me to have this conversation and not get the response that I want, and I stop talking. Because here's what we do. Here's what us say folks, are, us, 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 us foes say folks do. He needs prayer. I want you to hear me. You are on the hook to invest Oh, I'm going to say it better. God is holding you accountable for your investment, not their action. He is holding every parent in here, every future parent in here accountable for your investment, not their action. You remember the parable um, of the talents. He gave one five. He gave one. And he gave one. Master's going out of town, and he gives one five of his money, five, five, five talents, which is a big sum of money. He gave one two to talents, which was a huge sum of money. He gave one one. And then after the, after the master leaves, um, the one with five, he goes invest. He went to the market, he traded, and he doubled it. The one that got two, he went to the market, he traded, and he doubled it. 
The one with one went and hid his and didn't do anything with it. But when the master showed back up, he tells the two that went and invested. He says, good job, y'all, my good and faithful servant. I got something dope for you. Y'all good. Y'all go ahead. But when he gets to the one that had the one and didn't do anything with it, he says, I'm going to cast you <laughs> into outer darkness with his weeping and gnashing of teeth. And the reason why he, 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 he was um, chastised, the reason why he was dealt with, the reason why he had a problem is because the master saw his investment as something that should grow. Listen to me, y'all. The master was saying to, to, to the servant, I gave you something and you didn't make it grow. The other two invested to make it grow, but I gave you something. I trusted you with what was mine because that child is not yours. It is the Lord's. I trusted you with with what was mine, and you determined that you were going to stop investing, and you stopped his or her growth. And God, oh gosh, the, the master dealt with him because I gave you something that was supposed to grow. Oh gosh, y'all. There, oh. They're supposed to grow spiritually, socially, relationally because of your investment. And the moment you say, I'm done because they don't hear me, I'm done because they don't get it, I'm done because I'm tired of talking, whatever your reason is, God is going to deal with you and make you answer for that because it was up to you to make sure that they grow. Well, Pastor Wanza, I've been talking to this kid for, since, they, since they was this big, and, and now they're 10 or 12, and they still not listening to me. Keep investing. Because God is not holding you responsible for their actions. He's holding you responsible for your investment. And I don't care how old you are right now. You got children with inside of you. I'm talking to you right now. You better remember it. He doesn't hold you accountable for their action. He holds you accountable. So here's what's so beautiful about that. Many of us are beating ourselves up because of our child's actions. We're embarrassed because of our child's actions. We, we, we feel some kind of way when our kids don't pan out just like everybody else's child. But here's what I got to tell you. As long as you do the job of investing, i give you a funny story. My mother told me when I was a boy, <clears throat> I was a teenager, babe, promise me you don't get no tattoos. Got no problem with tattoos, just don't get one. Cool, no doubt. I took that from my mother. I said, yo, tell these cats, they'll tell you the story. Um, yo, don't get no tattoos. We ain't going to do that. And they wanted it. Now, they, these boys are different. I didn't want a tattoo, but they want one. So, dad, can I get a tattoo when this one? I said, check this out. <laughs> Once you finish school, and once you're making your own money, you can put a tattoo on your face, and I don't even care. Listen to me. It was my job to make sure that while they were under my roof and under my care, the investment was made. I'm not going to, the reason why I was being so over, you know, exaggerating it a bit, a bit, a bit, is because I said you could put it on your face, because you could do whatever you want to do now because I made the investment. People who know me say that I know that I'm a great dad. I know it. Braden, I know it. And it's not because my children are so good. I know my investment. Did y'all catch it? I know what I put into it. And I know that what I put into it, God honors. (laughs) 
So when I stand before him, he's going to say, boy, you knocked out of the park with those kids. I didn't know you could even do that with a boy. Listen to me. I'm on the hook for what I invest, y'all. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what they've done. I don't care how bad it looks. Keep investing. Keep investing. And so, so a couple of you sitting in the room right now, you may think to yourself, well, Pastor Wanzel, my kids are grown. That time for me is past. I'm going to tell you this right now. Repent. What do you mean? Change my mind about that, co- that child. Change my mind about that child. I'm going to confess it unto God. Here's the next thing. I'm going to apologize to the child. It just got real quiet. Because that is you letting them know that I had a responsibility in this that I did not upkeep. And I know that I quit on you. I know that I cut off all the resources. I know that I turned my back. I know that I said some stuff that was unsavory to you. I I accept that. I I take that responsibility. And I'm asking for your forgiveness. I believe that if you do those things, God's grace will show up. Now, I just told you, specific to this situation, I just told you, you're not, you're not on a hook for their action. So if you go and apologize and they don't want to take your apology, I get it. But it's going back to the investment. <laughs> you see, I'm on the hook to God. I'm not on the hook to you. I'm on the hook to God. So I got to fix this. I got to make this right. I got to get this thing back in order. I got to fix it. I know that I messed some stuff up and I apologize. I, I, I repent. I changed my mind about my children. I changed my mind about who I was in, my, in, in, in the situation. And now I'm apologizing to you for what I've done wrong. And if they don't accept it, that is on them. But you have fixed it in the eyes of God. And I believe grace will cover you. Stand to your feet. Thank you for streaming the latest message from Truth Movement Church. We pray that you found something in God's word that you can deposit into your heart for future use. To stay connected with our ministry, like us on Facebook or Instagram, or learn more about us by visiting www.truthmovementchurch.org.